0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Insatiable Appetite. I'm Alyssa Chevalier, Senior Consultant at the Hartman Group, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Robert Sanal.
1: Hi, Alyssa. Good to join you today.
0: Rob, today I would love to talk with you about the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, which is what most people call SNAP. And now that the new Biden administration has been in office for over a week, there's been a flurry of executive actions and initiatives. And I know that some of them are directly related to the food industry and the issue of food insecurity that continues during the ongoing pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's right, Alyssa. Um, So last week, President Biden signed an executive order to... Um, have the U.S. Department of Agriculture expand benefits and extend eligibility of SNAP benefits to an additional 12 million people, uh, they estimate, um, who were not previously eligible. Um, so it, you know, in 2020, SNAP spending was already at uh, historically high levels, and the, government, the federal government devoted about $90 billion in 2020 to SNAP. Um, And that's an increase of, uh, from about $60 billion in 2019. Um, And a lot of that increase is due to, you know, that first COVID relief bill that was passed way back in the spring, it seems so long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And that increased benefits on an emergency basis during the pandemic. Uh, So now the average monthly SNAP benefit is about $160 and that's up from $130 before the pandemic.
0: Okay, wow, $160 a month though, that's still probably not gonna cover everything for a lot of people in terms of just their food expenses.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, It really uh, doesn't cover everything for most people, but I I will say that every bit does help and those benefits are on the sliding scale and that depends on income you have already and your size of family. And this makes me. This whole situation makes me think about two years ago when I was one of the lead researchers on Hartman Group's business of thrift syndicated research study that came out I think in Q3 2018. Um, You know, we a lot has changed over the past two years, but when it comes to food insecurity, there's a lot of things that have unfortunately remained the same uh, for many years, not just the past two years, Uh, but. You know, one of our most telling findings on that study in the business of thrift uh, was when we asked respondents what they would do if they had an extra $100 a week. And if you compare those responses, you know, low income consumers responding to those who would be, uh, we considered mid to high income responses, low income consumers in our survey were twice as likely to say that they would spend that extra $100 no-strings-attached money a week on buying more food from the grocery store. Now, this is a, this is all hypothetical here. Um, but I remember one person we interviewed saying that if she had a, that much extra money, like a hundred extra dollars a week, she wouldn't feel like she'd need to make a choice between things like, you know, bananas and oranges or steak and chicken, uh, that she'd be able to get both and all of those things. Um, And this is just an extra $100 without any strings attached um, about how to spend it.
0: Right. And since SNAP is specifically for food, all of the funds uh, through that program feed right back into the food and beverage industry. But one thing I've been hearing more about lately is this divide that still seems to be really persistent between online and in-store shopping when Mm. it comes to folks who want to use their SNAP benefits. I read just a couple of days ago that even though online shopping has grown by 300% during the pandemic, there are still major barriers for those with SNAP benefits in being able to apply those benefits to their online shopping. And of course, then there are added fees that a lot of online shopping services have, which would only further discourage those low-income shoppers from using those types of services.
1: Yeah, so even though the federal government's now directing citizens to shop online as much as possible for groceries, and a lot of that's due to the increased risk that they're seeing with all these new COVID variants out there, um, and that makes in-person shopping a lot scarier for a lot of folks. You know, even though they're telling people to do that, um, you know, when it comes to actually applying SNAP benefits to online orders, um, it's not available for a lot of people, and it's simply not affordable for a lot of people too.
0: Yeah, and I, I know that some delivery services like Instacart and other retailers are lobbying the USDA to expand the ways in which those benefits can be applied online. But my understanding is that right now, Instacart's only able to apply SNAP benefits to food that's purchased at Aldi. So that's one retailer. Mm-hmm. And online SNAP purchases in terms of directly through retailers are only available through a few others, like I know Walmart, Amazon, and and maybe a couple of others
1: yeah yeah and we we know a lot of retailers are doing what they can to try and get those benefits more available to online purchases and you know getting online shopping to be more of a viable point of sale for lower income shoppers in general um, that's one area that we did call out in the 2018 study as an area of opportunity especially for retailers Um, and one reason for that uh, from our perspective is that And because millennials and parents, they've historically been the two groups, two of the groups driving online grocery shopping. But at the same time, millennials and parents are two of the most likely groups uh, to be considered low income. And so with online grocery shopping becoming so much more important this year, uh, there's real opportunity still for retailers in expanding that user base even more if they can make it uh, more appealing to consumers of all incomes
0: absolutely and while part of that's the ability to pay using those snap benefits another aspect will certainly need to be just making sure that online is available in areas where lower income people live particularly rural areas that i know have been an ongoing challenge for delivery platforms
1: yeah that's absolutely right
0: All right, Rob, I think that's about all the time we have for today, but thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed engaging with us in this important topic. And as always, feel free to reach out to us here at the Hartman Group, and we look forward to next time on The Insatiable Appetite.
1: Thank you, Alyssa.